Can we just pray real quick? I just want to gather us real quick, real quick, real quick. Lord God, I pray that you would speak mightily through your word. I pray that you would unite our hearts to your spirit. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on. All right. So I'm just going to recap real quick because I know Emeryville. You also heard a really powerful, and I want to tell uh, Soda, you should listen to Daniel's, um, Daniel's sermon. Um, oh, my gosh. That one line he dropped was so good. I don't even want to tell it to you. So you should go listen because when you hear it, you'll be like, oh, that's a good line. So you should listen to his too, for sure. But just to catch us up all up to speed real quick. So last week, I talked about the heart of stewardship. So I used the, uh, the example of Joseph and Potiphar to show, that, to, to show two truths. The first truth is that everything that we own is from God. It's not ours. So in, in that situation, right, Joseph knows that even though he was put as chief minister over everything of Potiphar's in his house and in the field, in the end, everything was not his. He didn't own it, even though he had access to it, but it was Potiphar's. And in that same way, that is the heart of stewardship. God is saying, I've given you access to everything I have, to my whole house and to all of my wealth, all of my resources, but it's not yours. It's mine. And we have to understand that there is a master and steward relationship that can never be compromised. And it's not a bad relationship. And that's the second point, that we don't understand the dynamic of the relationship between a master and a steward. We think it's like the one between you and your manager at work, <laughs> which is usually, or not always, but it's not always the best relationship between you and your boss. It's not like that at all. Between a master and a steward, the relationship is honored and trusted. He only bestows the title of steward upon the most trusted person. You would never give someone the keys to your house, the keys to your car, your bank account, right? Everything, your social security number, all your taxes, everything, access to everything about you, unless they're the most trusted and honored person you know, right? That's the relationship that God calls you to. It's not a relationship between a master and a slave, like, oh, you're like a peon, and like, go get me stuff. It's nothing like that. It's a powerful, trusting relationship, okay? So that's the context that we're going to go into today, all right? So now we're up to speed. Now we're all up to speed. So today, now that we understand the heart of what a steward is, now I believe God wants to talk about how do we live like a good steward? What does a steward actually do? What is he actually responsible for? Because we, we don't have the same situation as Potiphar, right? Like I'm not taking care of cows, right? Or I'm not like taking care of sheep or I'm not like doing God's laundry, right? Like, like it doesn't make sense, right? So what are we actually called to do? So that's what I'm talking about today. So we're talking about two things today. What are we actually asked to do by God as a steward? And secondly, what's our reward? Yeah, there's a reward. Can I say something? Powerful sermon I heard from John Piper. It's okay to do it for the reward. It's not okay to do it for the gram, but it's okay to do it for the reward <laughs> because God let you know what the reward is, so it's okay that you do it for the reward. Actually, Nicole, I lied. I do need my phone because I'm a bad Christian and I don't have a real Bible. This is my Bible. <laughs> Why, thank you. So today, can you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30? Matthew 25 verses 14 to 30. Now, I don't have the whole thing up on the screen, and I'm sorry, Emeryville, you have nothing but me, but um, you have your word, so that's much better. So let's go there, and it's a very um, familiar parable, but I want you to read it with new eyes today. I want you to open your heart to what God wants to say in this, because this is actually one of the most perfect pictures. That's, that's actually a bad use of wording. This is actually one of the most accurate depictions we can have of what it is to be a steward in the kingdom of God. So let's get into it. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Can I just stop right there real quick? Let me tell you something. Jesus only gave you what you can handle, and that's a blessing. Let's move on. Then he went away. <laughs> He had received the five he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Mm, That's so important. Remember that line. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that sounds like a very harsh way to end the parable. And I actually want to focus on first the one talent um, servant because actually that's where a lot of the misunderstanding happens. So I want you to know the first responsibility of any good steward, and this is so powerful, you gotta catch this, is you must know the heart of your master. You must know the heart of your master. If you do not know the heart of your master, how is it ever possible for you to please him in the way that you manage? That's like saying if I work for somebody and I have no idea what the company's goals are, I have no idea what their quarterly goals are, I just go about doing whatever I want, it is impossible for me to please my manager. There's no way because I'm not going to hit any of the benchmarks. Does that, does that make sense, guys? Like there's no way you will be able to please your boss. That's the same way. When we are managing God's resources, we must know his heart because if you don't know his heart, then your goals are completely off. It's just a misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding. You just don't know. You must know the Father's heart if you're going to be able to please him and manage well. Because then by definition, you will also then manage the way he would manage. Can I tell you a quick story? Real quick story. Real quick story. Real quick story. We'll make it quick. We'll make it quick. It's a powerful story from a pastor named Chip Ingram. He tells a story when he was a young pastor. He had nothing, fresh out of seminary. But he knew one thing, that he, he grew up in the Dallas area. He wanted to do inner city ministry. He wanted to reach out to the, to the marginalized and the poor, and especially the youth in that city. But he had no resources. He had no money. And let me, let me tell you guys something. It does take money to do ministry, okay? So he literally had no money. He's like a 23-year-old like, kid, right? He's like, I got no money, but I know I want to do this for the Lord. At his church, there was this very, very, very elderly man. His name was John, I think. And one day, John invited Chip Ingram to come to a dinner at the very top of the highest, tallest skyscraper in Dallas to have dinner with him in the penthouse. And Chip Ingram said that he ate food that he'd like never even heard of before. It was so amazing. And at the end of the meal, the the older man, John, said, Chip, I want to start a relationship with you. I want to start a trust with you, a bond with you over our love for the city of Dallas. He said, you have something that I need and I have something that you need. He said, you have... He said, you have, you, have, you have time, you have energy, you have passion, and you have a youthful body. I'm an old man. I can't move. <laughs> and you love, but, but I have money that you don't have. He said, we need to create a relationship to better the kingdom of God. He said, he handed him a blank checkbook. He said, in this ledger, I've given you X amount of dollars. He said, go and spend it on your ministry. The only thing I ask you to do is to meet me once every three months and just tell me what is God doing in the city of Dallas. 
and we will meet here in the same restaurant every three months. And from that point was a beautiful relationship created between the one who had money, stewarding it to the one who did not. And Chip shares something so powerful. He said that when he got that ledger book, he felt so much weight and responsibility. And that when he went, anytime he went to open that book and write a check for a ministry expense, the first thing he would ask himself is, would John approve of this purchase? Do you guys see that? You have to know your master, your father's heart, if you're going to be able to manage his resources well. I want you guys to have the same heart that Chip had. He wasn't just like, oh, well, he don't know. I could lie, right? I could fudge the numbers. I could lie. I could buy myself some stuff that's not ministry related, right? Or it could be like, I need a better car. You get what I'm saying? But he was like, no, I, I, there was a relationship between him and John. And he said, no, I have to tell him about it later too. Guys, I want you to know that's how powerful it is when you know your master, your father's heart, when you know his heart. You have to ask yourself, would Jesus approve of this use of his resource? As if he was there, because he is there. But he doesn't want to micromanage you. Don't we hate that? Trust me, God ain't a micromanager. He's not going to stand over your shoulder. But he's trusting you. So would you at least know his heart today? Let's, so let's go into it. Let's have that posture. I want to know your heart, God, as I take care of what you've given to me. So let's look at the three ways that, that the servant with one talent misunderstood the father's heart. And I think that we also misunderstand God's heart in these things too. The first thing that he misunderstood was that he thought that the best way to handle and to take care of resources was just to protect it. I want you to know that's not enough for God. I want you to know your first responsibility is not just to protect or take care of your resources, God actually wants you to multiply it. God wants you to be fruitful. Say, so I know sometimes we feel like, oh, I don't want to become prideful. I don't want to like accumulate a lot or amass a lot of things. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's just being productive. God desires all of us. Whatever we have, he's expecting you to multiply it. He's expecting you to make more. Okay, and that's not a sign of greed. Don't get that confused. Those are two very different things. That is not greed. Greed is you accumulating for the sake of yourself. And we'll get to the rest of it later. Because greed is not possible when you fully know all of your father's heart. Greed is only when you only understand that first part of God's heart. Multiply. But when you understand all of God's heart, it's not greed. So I want to release you from that. God is expecting you to multiply and be productive and to be excellent. Come on. Can I get an amen? Seriously. God does, God does not expect you to like be, you know, like bad at what you do or to like not be productive or not to make good returns. God is expecting us to cultivate, to create, and to make more, to multiply, all right? To be fruitful. The second thing that the servant misunderstood was the character of his master. Can we go to that verse now that I highlighted? Let's go to, let's go to one on the screen. Look at what the servant says. He says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. A hard man. Now, that's a very, very, very bold statement. Can I prove to you that this master is not a hard master? Do you know how much a talent is? Actually, no one really knows. <laughs> I did a little research, just so you know. A talent is a very old form of, of weighing things. It could be anywhere between 60-something pounds to 80-something pounds. Okay, it's a measuring weight to weigh money. So back then they weighed money. Okay, they did. So it's like how much gold? This is a talent of gold, which is like this is eighty pounds of gold. Does that make sense? So he entrusted to them a talent of something, but obviously we know that it's monetary. Okay, so it's 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 among scholars they say that it could mean up to six thousand denarii. Six thousand denarii. A denarii is one day's wages. Okay. One day's wages, one day's wages. So I don't know about you, I don't know how many days of the week you work, but I only work five, right? And there's 52 weeks in a year, right? So five times 52 is about 250, 225, so plus 10, that's 235, right? So that's about two and a half years of wages right there. See, the first thing that we misunderstand is that we think that the guy that got one talent got gypped. Do you realize how much even one talent is? That's two and a half years of wages right on the spot. He paid, it, he paid his servants before they even did anything. 
That's a lot of money. Don't compare what you have. That, that's a free one. Steph Curry said that. Don't count another man's money. <laughs> Don't do that. The first thing you need to understand about the master is that he's not a hard man. From how much he gave, the first characteristic of the master is he is generous. And I want you guys to know that your father in heaven is generous. Let's look at the second characteristic of the master. He was fair. In the, in the story, he gave five to the one who could handle five. He gave two to the one who could handle two. And he gave one to the one who could handle one. Let me tell you something. It is very fair of God to give you what you can handle. It's actually unfair of him to give you what you cannot handle. Do you know what happens to lottery winners a lot of times? They don't have the financial infrastructure or, or wisdom to handle that kind of money. That's why they blow it off. It's not because it's not they're stupid. It's not, not that. They just don't know how to manage that money. If you only managed $1,000 in your bank account before, there's no way you know what to do with $100 million. There's no way. There's no way. Let me tell you something. If you can't manage $1,000, you can't manage $10,000. If you can't manage $10,000, you can't manage $100,000. If you can't manage $100,000, you can't manage a million. It was actually very fair and wise of the master to give according to their ability because he didn't want to set them up for failure. So can I say that too? Your father is actually very fair. He's very wise and it's kind of him to never give you more than you can handle because that would actually destroy you. Okay? Third thing, the master was righteous. I want to go to the, to, the part where he, to the part where he rewarded his servants. The two that did well, he rewarded them. Is that not righteous? You ever feel like when you go to work and you do well and you don't get rewarded? Don't you feel like, dang, I worked hard for nothing. That's messed up. I've been there. But you know what? God sees everything you do. And it's for your benefit. Even what you do in secret. He says, those who do things out in the, in the light, they receive their reward. But he says, those who do it in secret, your father who sees in secret will give you your reward. God is righteous. He's not, he's not unrighteous in how he deals with us. He will reward you. And the last thing, the master was loving. He said to his servants, enter into the joy of your master. He didn't say, oh, good job. All right, get back to work. <laughs> Did he say that? He wasn't like, oh, hey, good job. Great, great. Give me all the money. All right, get out of here, guys. Scram. <laughs> go, go do more work. He stopped and he actually invited them in to fellowship with him, to have joy with him. Guys, our master, God is not a taskmaster. He's loving. He invites you to share in his joy. So this servant clearly misunderstood who his father was. Can I ask you guys today, do you guys know who your father is? Maybe the reason why whenever we talk about finance or stewardship, you get a little bit, you know, uncomfortable or you get triggered is because maybe you don't truly know who your father is. And you think he's a hard man, but he's not a hard man. Let's look at the third thing. This is my favorite part. You guys ready for this? Oh, it's my favorite part. It's my favorite part. Let's look at what he said after that. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Do you know what he's basically saying? This is actually a very insulting thing he's saying to his master. Do you know what he's basically saying? He's basically saying to his master, you don't do nothing up in this place. <laughs> he said, you basically make money all off of us who do all the work. You just walk around here and order us around and then you get all the benefit. You guys ever feel that way? You guys ever feel that way about God? Maybe you feel that way about your boss. I'm not sure. <laughs> you ever feel that way about God? You say, wow, well, you, get, you, you, you just get all the good report. You get all the benefit. You get everything at the end. But all of us, we're doing all the work. We're doing all the work. See what this man misunderstood? This servant misunderstood the nature in which God obtained everything. He misunderstood the actual relationship between him and the master. He overvalued ownership over relationship. Can I say that one more time? He overvalued ownership and placed it over relationship. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but this is why the first sermon that I gave last week is so important. If you think that everything is yours, and because, and I, and I talked, I don't want to talk about it too much because I talked about it last week, but I talked about the difference between hard work and talent. Okay? This servant didn't understand that. 
So this is my plug for you to go listen to my podcast, okay? So now post likes on it and stuff too, okay? I'm totally kidding. Come on, guys. All right? But seriously, this is what happens when you don't have the heart of stewardship. You say, well, I work hard. That's mine. You didn't work hard, God. It's not yours. I'm sorry. It is God's, okay? But you have to listen to the rest of my sermon to get the rest of that. All right, so let's move on. So now we see the three ways that the servant misunderstood his father's heart or the, or the master's heart. So guys, the first thing today I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to do is to know his heart so you can manage properly. Now the next logical question would be, well, Jeremy, how do I know his heart? Okay, I'll tell you. You have to obey his commands. That's your second responsibility. So your first responsibility as a steward is to manage and to know his heart and to manage like he would. Your second responsibility is to obey his commands. And now I'm gonna get into your favorite part. You guys ready? This is where we talk about tithe and offering. Oh, I feel the conviction of the spirit all over the room. But here it comes. Are you guys ready? I'm asking you right now to not get triggered. Can I ask you right now with your heart to open and just really listen to what I believe God wants to speak into? It's going to be powerful. Believe me. Okay? The only way you will know your father's heart is if you obey first. Obedience is the first thing you must do. Now, you might be asking, why does it have to be tithes and offerings specifically? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's important for a steward. There's two reasons. The first reason is when you are generous, generosity is the doorway to intimacy. I'm going to say that one more time. Generosity is the doorway to intimacy. Now I'm going to prove it to you. Every relationship that you have right now, you give into it and you don't even think about it. You give your time, you give your attention, you give your affection, you give your trust, you don't even think about it. When you go out to dinner, you spot someone, you don't even think about it. You're generous with people. You don't realize it. And what you're actually doing is you're investing into that relationship. So you actually know this principle already. Generosity is actually the doorway to intimacy. If we're not generous in our posture with all of our resources, with everything that we have, what kind of friendship is that? That's a whack friendship. Now, I know some of y'all, you're like, I'm generous with God. I serve in the church. I come to shift. I'm a CG leader. I'm a barista. I'm on production. I don't take breaks. I tell Jeremy and Nicole, even when, I, when they ask me for a break week, I say, no, I'll come anyway. <laughs> why do I have to give my money? I, I understand. Can I tell you why? I'll give you an example. I'll use me and Anna as an example. We're married, okay? We're one. Now, if I treated Anna well in every area but my finances, what would that say to her? If I'm like, Anna, I'll give you all my time. I'll give you everything. I'll give you all my time, all my affection, all my trust. But money, mm-mm. I draw a line right here. What does that say? I'm, I'm keeping it real. What does that say? If I say, oh, I got my bank account. You got your bank account. My paycheck's my paycheck. Your paycheck's your paycheck. And we all know mine a little bit bigger. So <laughs> what would that say? I'm being serious. What would that say? What would that say? What would that communicate? But I'll give you my time. I put a ring on it. I got you a dog. Isn't that enough? I give you my heart. Isn't that priceless? MasterCard. Isn't that priceless? Visa? Is that MasterCard? Whatever. Isn't that priceless? Come on, guys. Can we keep it real for a second? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Come on, guys. Don't do that to God. Don't do that to God. Generosity is the key to intimacy. But generosity doesn't compartmentalize. So you can't compartmentalize. Don't tell Jesus, I'll be generous with everything but this. You know, it's fitting that Jason sang that song. See how Holy Spirit works? He'd be convicting people all day long, all week, what to sing you. All that I am is yours. Don't compartmentalize your relationship with Jesus. You want real intimacy with God? You give him everything. And let me tell you something. When you release certain parts of your heart, certain parts in the relationship get released. Certain parts of the relationship become unlocked. As you unlock your time, that releases something in your relationship. As you unlock your trust, that releases something. As you unlock more, 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 your skills, your talents, it releases something. And let me tell you something, it's true. When you release something in your finances, God's like, mm-hmm, he's ready. And he's about to release something in your life too. You have to know, everything that you release is an investment. And it, and it breaks 
into another area of that intimacy that would not have been released if you withheld it. Okay, guys? So don't compartmentalize. Generosity is the doorway to true intimacy. Second reason why. Second reason why you will learn your father's heart when you're generous is real easy. It's because he's generous. Can I say that one more time? You will know your father's heart when you are generous because he is generous. And so now I have to get to the really tough part. Do you guys really think Jesus is generous? Do you really think God is generous? And it's a perspective thing. You have to stop right now and look at your life and ask yourself, do I really think I've been given a lot? Do I really think he's given me the best? And when the enemy would love to come in and tell you no to both those questions, he would love to point at the bad things in your life and say, nope, God's not generous. Not another plug for my sermon, but I did talk about this last week. So we got to move on. We got to move on, guys. It's so good. You got to listen to it. It's so good. (laughs) But really, when you are generous, you know how to manage like your father is because now you are acting in sync with his generous heart. So let me tell you guys something. You want to know how to manage well? Be generous because God is generous. And he is the greatest master, the greatest manager of resources. All right, guys? But let me tell you something. I do find that many people who feel like they can't give to God is because they don't think he's generous. And I understand. If I thought someone was cheap, I wouldn't give to them either. But you see, it's a lie. And I'm challenging you guys to break off that lie. All right? So I wanted to give you the why first before I explain the what. The what is important. So now we're going to get into the what, okay, guys? Now I have to tell you what tithing is, okay? And this is important because I don't want you to be a people that just give because I told you so. I want you to be a people that understand the heart behind it, which is why I said the why first, but now I have to tell you the method, and there's a reason for the method too. God has a reason for everything, so let's get into it. Tithe. What does tithe mean? Can we have this verse from Deuteronomy? Tithe literally means one-tenth. That's what that word means. So I want to break off a common misunderstood thing in the church. Tithe and offerings are not the same thing, even though we always put them together, like peanut butter and jelly. Well, we would never say peanut butter is jelly, right? Okay, that's a bad joke. Moving on. So tithes and offerings are not the same thing, okay? Tithe literally means one-tenth. Offering means like a gift. So God is saying, bring your one-tenth and a gift to my house. Does that make sense, guys? So let's talk about what is the tithe, because we all know what a gift is. I don't need need to tell you guys what that is, okay? Tithe is one-tenth. In Deuteronomy, this is Moses speaking to the people of God. He says, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always, okay? So this was a commandment from God. He said, you must give one-tenth of everything that you produce, everything that you have, everything that you've been able to multiply and reproduce this year. Okay, now, I don't want you to get triggered by that word fear of the Lord, okay? God's not saying you have to tithe to me so that you know who's the boss and like scare you, okay? Fear of the Lord is a beautiful term, and that's another whole sermon, I can't get into it, but it's a beautiful way to depict the way that we honor God and the way that we are reverent before him because of who he is and who we are. It's actually in the place You can fear God healthily when you're in a place where you fully understand who he is and who you are. That's how you get to that place. And tithing helps you get there, okay? So I don't want to talk about that too much. I want to go into the tithing. I want you to know, tithing, there's two things that God asks of you. It's the only thing I want you to leave with. He asks you to give him your first and your best, and he asks you to do it regularly, He asks you to give him your first and your best and to do it regularly, okay? Now, why would he do that? Why would he do that? I'm gonna tell you a story first because I want you to know that I understand that it's hard to tithe, okay? I I know you guys heard me tell the story about, um, you know, how I, how me and Anna, we sold our house so we could pay off all of our debt so we could go into seminary. Now, there's actually another part of that story that I never told you guys. So I had made a mistake where I had invested money with someone on a real estate investment. And I had given a large sum of money to this person, and we were going to split the profits. But what happened was, actually, to be honest, I don't really know what happened. But basically, after a year and a half, I followed up with him, and I asked him, I was like, yo, like, what's going on? <laughs> like, we should have been done by now. Like, what's happening? And he was kind of beating around the bush, not giving me straight answers. And I was like, look, it's clear that 
the project is not done. And I said, so I did, I did some backward, uh, background work. I looked up the parcel number of the land that we were supposed to purchase. And I looked it up, and the title was not even in our name. So I said, yo, come on, what's happening? You didn't even buy the land. We didn't even get off ground one yet. Like, what's happening? <laughs> and he kept beating around the bush, and I get it. He didn't want to incriminate himself. So I put two and two together, and I was like, okay, I see what's happening. I said, I need my money back. And he gave me the runaround for almost another, like, six months, guys. And I, and I was trying to, and I was, I was struggling, guys. I was like, God, I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to be forgiving. I'm trying to, like, I don't want to be, like, I don't want to sue him. I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to do this. But you know what? God taught me a lot of lessons in that, too. And at one point, I was like, all right, man, if I don't get my money in a month, I'm going to have to sue you. And he didn't say anything. And I was like, okay, then I guess that's that. So from that point, I started a two-year, two-year-long process. Was it two years? Was it two years then or was it one year? Two years, oh Jesus, that was hard two years. Yeah, we started a two year long lawsuit process. Two years long. And so I had budgeted money for the lawyer fees. If you don't know, lawyers are ridiculously expensive and they charge you per hour for everything that they do. Oh my goodness, yeah. So I, I, I had put aside a certain amount of money to pay for that because I knew that this would happen. So, so that was from the sale of the house. Over the, I, but I didn't know it was going to last two years. So it got to a point where I was like, Lord, what do I do? Do I let this guy go? I, I can't keep chasing him legally. I don't have any more money. But, and I don't want to spend all of our savings because then I can't pay rent. I can't do anything. Like, wh- what are we going to do? What are we going to do, God? What are we going to do? And the Lord kept putting it in my heart that he would vindicate me. And he, t- and he kept telling me, trust me, just keep going forward. But every time he said that, like the guy would find another loophole and just create more delays, more delays, more delays in the legal process, more meetings, more meetings, which cost me more money, right? Because it takes more, it takes more of my lawyer's time too. And I remember it got to one point where I was literally looking at my bank account and I was like, God, this is at the two-year mark, too. So I, we tried to stretch out our money as long as possible. And I was like, Lord, um, I said, Lord, I only got enough money left for two months. And I said, I don't think this is going to get wrapped up in two months. I said, I don't know what to do. And we're so close to the end. I, I, I can't drop the ball right now. Like, what do I do? And then I started getting mad at God. Because I didn't tell you something. You know, we faithfully tithe to God the sale of our house. So the prophet, so I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back, but you have to know this to give you context, okay? And that was a large check, to be serious with you guys. And the first thing I did was I got mad at God. And I said, you know what, God? If I didn't tithe to you that, I said, I'll be fine right now. You know that? How many people would tithe that amount of money to you? How many people would tithe the sale of their house? People don't even count that as income. That's, lo- that's long-term capital gains, God. Don't you know? <laughs> I was mad. I was serious. I was like, God, even if I tithe half of that to you, I'd be more than okay. Even a fourth of that, I'd be more than okay. Even if I kept an eighth of that, I'd be okay. Even if I kept a tenth of that, I'd be okay right now, God. Why would I have to give you 10%? Why, God? I said, I said is this how it's going to end? I really told God that. Is this how it's going to end? I was mad. I was being serious. I was, I was mad. And you know what? I got to a point where I challenged God. I said, God, this is your story. This is your story. I stood up at Lineage three years ago with my wife that we both committed our life to God. We both said we we're going to follow you. And this is how it's going to end? This is how it's going to end. That house was supposed to be a blessing. Now you tell me I gave you too much? So I challenged God. I said, this is your story, God. You know what, God, guys? Prophetically, I've been waiting for this day. Because I said, God, when I share this story, what do you want me to say? It's your story. I'm not going to lie. If I had to tell people, well, we didn't have enough money. I guess when you give to God, you give too much. 
he don't come through. So we had to take out a loan and sell everything. That didn't happen, guys. But I told God, you tell me what you want me to say. You write this story. And I was mad. I was like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. And you know what God said to me? He said, I'll finish the story when you finish tithing. Because what happened, guys, was I was so scared that for the previous six months, so this is January of this year now, I was afraid to tithe. And I said, and I, and, and, and I told myself lies. I said, God, I, I gave you a lot. You'll understand, right? I, I, I need this, God. I, I, I just can't tithe to you right now. I, I, I just can't fit it in the budget. You know that. I, I just can't. I just can't. I'll, 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 I'll tithe to you later. You know, God. I, you, know, you know, God, I'm a numbers guy, man. I'm like rain man, God. I got all the numbers written down. I mean, I'll put it right here. Like, I'm not going to make up the number. Like, I know what I owe you, God. It's all right here. I mean, I'm being serious. Like, it's right here, God. And for six months, I didn't tithe. About five months, I didn't tithe. And God said, you want your breakthrough? He said, give me what's mine. He said, I'll tell you what to say, but you give me the tithe. I said, God, I said, God, you know my budget right now. If I tithe that to you, I only got one month of money left. And he said very clearly to me, do you trust me? So I'm going to tell you guys right now, I understand. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I understand it's hard to tithe. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy to put it in your budget every month. I know it's not easy to do it every single month. Because there are seasons when it's easy, right? There's seasons when you have plenty. But you know what, guys? I understand the seasons when you don't have a lot. And you're like, God, I can't. Unexpected expense, unexpected medical expense, I understand. Unexpected auto expense, unexpected insurance thing, unexpected things happen. I understand, guys. I handle budgets all the time. I understand. And you're like, God, you'll understand, right? <laughs> here, here's, here, here's the craziest part of the story. So I'm literally crying as I'm, it's not as dramatic as I'm like, it would be cool if I was, like, writing the check and, like, crying and, like, ripping it and, like, handing it into a basket. But it's not because it's all digital now. So I'm, like, crying on my phone as I hit push pay. It's, like, not that dramatic. You know, it's, like, whatever. You know. But I, but I was crying. And I was so scared, guys. But then that was during our 40 days of prayer. And the next day, I, we never go to 40 days of prayer, me and Anna. Cause, no, no, because it's in Emeryville. And I work until 7. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. <laughs> but for some reason that day, we were able to make it. I don't remember how. And I went in. I remember I sat down, and I was worshiping. And the Lord said, crazy. All of a sudden, I heard him say, you will not see a judge. And I'm like, what? And I kept worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. And all he kept saying to me was, you will not see a judge. You will not see a judge. And then I realized he was telling me that he was about to end my legal process before we ever got to court. He gave me that promise. But I still had to walk it out, guys. So a month later, I went to the courthouse for official mediation, and we settled. Now here's the crazier part. There's still more faith. I had to paint this picture for you guys. I've settled with a man who is untrustworthy, correct? So I remember I walked out of the courtroom. So, so basically how the settlement works is that he's going to pay us back in monthly installments, okay? I remember walking out of that courtroom. I wasn't happy. You know why? Because I still got no money. <laughs> I'm like, God, this is the plan? You want me to trust an untrustworthy person to make monthly payments when he was the one who lost all my money? Do you guys see the irony in that? Do you see the irony in that? I was like, God, this is not that reassuring. You want me to trust that this guy's not just going to drag out the legal process more? If he doesn't pay, I mean, nothing's going to happen to him, right? I have to chase him down again legally, right? So I have to trust an untrustworthy man to pay responsibly when he's irresponsible. That's a pretty bad plan, God. That's a pretty sucky plan. Because I would rather him have handed me a check at that point. Right? Like, like, put it on the table, bro. You know? I got no money still. That's still scary, guys. I'm like, I still got no money, God. I got 
nothing out of this. So I went home, prayed. I was still scared, crying. I said, God, I thought when you said I wasn't going to see a judge that I was also going to get money. <laughs> I got no money. I mean, it's great that I have this contract, but it takes money if I had to enforce it legally. So what do I do, God? Do you know what the Lord said to me? He said, Jeremy, I am the one who will provide for you. It's not him. He said to me again, he said, Jeremy, you put your faith again in the wrong thing. He said, did you put your faith in him? He said, how dare you put your faith in him? He said, yeah, you shouldn't put your faith in him. Yeah, that guy's irresponsible. He said, but I will provide for you. Jesus said, do not question how and when I will bring my provision. It might be through him. He said to me, I could just drop money in your mailbox when I feel like it. Let me tell you something. If God wants to provide for you, I'm going to give this word to someone right now who needs to know this. God doesn't have to provide for you in a logical way. God could just drop money on your table if he feels like it. At any moment he wants. God could just come in and just give it to you anytime he wants. Guys, I'm telling you that right now. I've heard stories where random people will just call this person and say, the Lord told me to call this number and to give you this money. I'm going to tell you right now. And I had to step into that space. And I said, fine, God, it's not through him. I don't know what. I had to let go of all my expectations and say, you know what, God? I don't know how this money's going to come, but I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to keep tithing. And guess what? God is faithful. And that first payment check came in. The next month, God is faithful. Second payment check came in. Let me tell you something, guys. That's what I talk about. I understand that tithing is hard. But now let's get into the benefits. Can we go to that tithing slide? I'm going to tell you the four things that I learned through this story. And I want you guys to remember these things. Tithing keeps us tethered to God, reminding us of his goodness. I had to declare in my heart that God was good. And that was hard. That was so hard, guys. Second thing, tithing is a sign of thankfulness. I had to thank God for everything that I had. Instead of acting like I didn't have enough, I had to tell God, what you gave me is enough. And believe it with all my heart, with thankfulness. Do you know how easy at that point I could have been like, God, you didn't give me enough? You didn't know what I needed? You know everything, don't you? (laughs) Gave me a little bit too little, too late. No, I had to declare in my heart that God I thank you for everything you've given to me. Third thing, tithing is a sign of trust, and you guys know this. I want you guys to know something. It's not trust in how you'll get your money. It's trust in him, period. Do not trust how it will work out. You just trust him, period. And this is the last one. Tithing unlocks greater blessing and anointing in your life because God knows you are now ready for more. I'm going to use this also for my analogy in my life. You know, because I would never have thought of this plan on my own, okay, guys? But because of God's plan and how he decided to provide for us with monthly payments, it's actually now given me and Anna financial freedom to be able to serve the church more and not worry about how much we get paid. That would have never have happened if all this craziness didn't happen. God said, Jeremy, I'm gonna test you. Give me the tithe that's owed to me. Good. Second thing, I'm gonna test you. Who do you trust? Do you trust that crazy man or do you trust me? And when, when we were faithful in both those areas, God said, now this is the true blessing. He released us deeper into our destiny, into our calling, into our anointing, into the kingdom of God. Because now he said, I'm gonna take care of all that for you. I'm going to take care of that for you. Let me tell you something, guys. When you tithe your best and your first and you tithe regularly, it unlocks greater blessing in your life. Yes, also financially, God will take care of you. And God will give you more things. See, I'm afraid of prosperity gospel, guys. This is not prosperity gospel, okay? This is not if you give God money, you get money, okay? It's better than that. Do you know why? You guys ready for this? It's better than that because when prosperity gospel is keeping it at this level, 
When I get money, when I give money, I get money. Do you know what God wants to do? When you give him money, he wants to give you eternal things. I'm going to say that one more time. I don't think you guys are excited enough. When you give God his tithe, when you give him what is his, and you give it to him in faith, the first and regularly, he doesn't just give you money. He'll give you that. But he'll give you more than that. He wants to give you better things than money. Do you guys know what's better than money? Let me tell you what's better than money. He's going to release to you blessing. He's going to release to you relationships you could never have gotten on your own. He's going to release to you opportunity you could have never gotten on your own. He's going to release to you spiritual gifts that you can never have. He's going to release to you talents and skills you never had access to. He's going to release to you your destiny, your very calling, heavenly things that last for forever, guys. We keep thinking about things down this level. God's like, you know that, you know that, you know that servant that had one talent? That's one talent thinking. I don't want money. I want, I want the eternal things, God. I want the things that don't disappear when I die. Do you guys want that too? Do you, do you guys realize what, that, what the master said? I'm going to wrap this up. Do you realize what the master said? He said, you have been faithful with little. The master just called five talents Little. That's God's perspective on money. Let me say that one more time. I don't think you guys got that. The master said to his servants, I gave you five talents. What's five times 2.5? What is that? 12.5? He just gave him 12.5 years of wages. What's the average person in America make? I don't know, 60,000, 50,000? I don't know. So he basically just gave him over $100,000. He said, that's little. Oh, my, my math is bad. 50,000 times 12, that's like 500,000, excuse me. So you just gave him over $600,000. said, that's little. He said, that's chump change. In the kingdom of God, he said, that's little. I don't think you guys are getting it yet. When God says five talents is little, that's where he puts money. And then what does he say to his servant? He says, now I will put you over much. What is much? Let me tell you guys, what does God think much is? God thinks much is when you step in front of a crowd of people and you proclaim his name and everyone knows the name of Jesus. God calls much when you step into a place where there's demonic presence, you walk in and you know who your father is, every enemy flees the door. God calls much that when you pray something because you have his heart and you know him and you have faith that can move mountains, when you say it, you know it. That's much. Come on, guys. God wants to release to you more than just money. He wants to give you what much is in the kingdom of God. That's power. That's influence. That's territory. Do you guys want that? I want us to be a church that is ready for much. So what does the steward get? When you are faithful with your tithe, that you give your first and your best, and you give regularly, he gives you much true blessings. But the second part, don't miss this. He says, enter into the joy of your master. Guys, he's inviting you into joy. He's inviting you into relationship. He's inviting you into intimacy. Those are the two things that you get when you are a faithful steward, guys. And can I say one more thing about tithing? I know it's hard. But when you do it regularly, you create a good habit, and it becomes easier. But you have to start somewhere. So I want to encourage you guys, if you have not, please figure out a system where you can give regularly. You know, you pay your bills regularly, don't you? You don't be like, oh, missed my electric bill. Oh, missed my, missed, you know. Okay, can I keep it real right now? You guys put Spotify on, on, on automatic charge. You guys put Hulu on automatic charge. You put Netflix on automatic charge. When you buy extra, when you buy extra storage on iTunes and the iCloud, you put it on automatic charge. You're telling Steve Jobs, don't worry, I ain't going to be late. Can you tell Jesus not, that you're not going to be late? Can you, can you set up reoccurring payment, please? And it's not because I want you to, like, oh, I'm trying to get you to do it. It's because you're responsible in every other area, but you're tithing. You, 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 you wouldn't tell Verizon, oh, well, you know, I'll get to it when I can. You put it on automatic charge. Can you, can you guys please, and as a step of faith, be responsible to what God is, what, to give what God, what is God's, oh, please, Jesus, to give God what is God's, and be responsible and do it as a recurring way so you don't leave it up to chance if you happen to remember because you don't want your lights to go out, right? Well, I don't, you know, so, I mean, can we treat God better than lights? <laughs> that we need him more than lights? All right, let's wrap this up. Can I worship team come back up? Man, I know I've said a lot.
I know I said a lot, but I want to leave you with this verse. Can we go to Luke? The Luke verse? This is the heart of your father. This is the heart of your father. He says, who then is faithful and wise whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the right time. Guys, God is searching all through the kingdom. He's searching all through the world, looking for the wise and faithful managers. He's saying, who is the wise and faithful one that I can put over my household? Remember Potiphar's household? That's easy stuff. God don't want to put you over cows. God don't want to put you over laundry duty, furniture, interior design, his itinerary, (laughs) booking his flight. When, When God talks about putting over his household, do you guys know what's in that? First of all, it's the people in this room. God wants to put you over people that you can love them and take care of them. You know, what about your family that you've been praying for, your friends that you've been praying for to know Christ? That's part of God's household. What about that breakthrough with addiction and sin that you've been waiting for? That's under God's household. What about that breakthrough that you've been looking for in your career? You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do direction and vision for your life that's under God's household don't you guys see God wants to set you over his household but we we, we, we're still thinking about Maseratis (laughs) we're thinking about fancy clothes nice shoes (laughs) good furniture God's like that ain't my household (laughs) my household is paved with streets of gold The gate itself is made of one pearl. One pearl. (laughs) The foundations of the new Jerusalem are adorned with precious stones. That's the bottom of the house, if y'all don't even know what that means. My basement don't look like that. God says, in my household, there will be no tears, no pain, no weeping our brokenness ever again. That's what God wants to put you over. That's his household. When you're ready, tithing is right here, guys. Tithing is right here. It's the starting point. (laughs) To be faithful with something that's temporary? Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. I'm going to say that one more time. To be faithful with something that's temporary? God said that's the starting point. But God wants to take us higher. He wants to not set you over things that are temporary. He wants to set you over things that are eternal. He wants to set you over things that are more than money, more powerful than money, more precious than money can never buy. That's God's household. But you had to prove to him that you can handle the little stuff before he can give you much. Remember what Jesus said, the five talents, that's little stuff. But can we prove to God today that we're responsible and faithful with the little stuff so he can give you the good stuff. He can give you the eternal stuff, the heavenly stuff, the spiritual stuff, the unseen stuff, the priceless things that people wish they could pay for but can never get. Come on, guys. So right now I want you to close your eyes. I want you to interact right now with God. And I don't normally do this, but I want us right now, if you feel ready, to make a declaration today, to make a commitment today, to make an oath before the Lord today. That you will give your first and your best to God. And you will do it regularly, every month. There is no pressure here. I'm just saying, if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now, do not resist it. And I'm challenging you and encouraging you because I know it is good for us that today you will make a promise, a commitment, an oath that you will give the Lord your word today that God, I know it can be hard, but I will give you my first and my best and I will do it regularly 
every month. I will make sure that every month it is on my budget and there is no compromise, no matter what. And it will be the first expense that I put down. Not my rent, because you are more important than my rent. Not my electricity bill, because you are more important than that. Not my water, not my gas, not my garbage. You are more important than that. Not my Hulu, not my Netflix, not my streaming, not my iTunes, nothing. You are the first expense that comes out of my paycheck because you are the greatest thing to me, God. And you are the most worthy of what is mine. You are the first who gets what I have. And I will do it regularly right now. And we do this because, don't get it twisted, guys. I want you to declare this oath today for two reasons. One, because I want to step into deeper intimacy with my father. Because I want to know his heart. And I want to step into deeper intimacy with him. And because I'm ready for real blessings. I'm going to say it one more time. You make this oath today. Don't get it twisted. Not because I said so. Not because you feel guilty. Not because I'm pressuring you. Because I'm not. You make this oath today. Because you are saying, I desire to go deeper. And to know my father's heart. And because I desire true blessings today, God. One more time. I do this today, God. I make this oath today, God, because I desire to go deeper and to know your heart deeper. And secondly, because I desire the true blessings, the true things that you want to release into my life right now. That's why I make this promise. And if you make this promise as a prophetic sign, put your hand over your heart right now. Put your hand over your heart right now and say, God, this is true. This is a real oath that I make. And I'm not afraid to show it. That's how you make it real. It's not a secret oath. You make it and you say, God, this is my promise to you. This is my word to you today. Come on, Jesus, 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 Jesus. If you desire to go deeper with him, if you desire true blessings, I'm going to tell you right now, giving and generosity is the doorway. So make this oath today. I know it's hard. I know you're scared. But make that oath today and put your hand over your heart and say, God, this is my sacrifice to you. I'm going to say one more thing. Uh-oh. And this came to me this morning. Oh, Jesus. You know, I feel like there's some of you in this room who feel like you've been far from God, who feel like you've been distant from him, who feel like your relationship with him is stagnant, who feel like you can't hear his voice. Can I tell you something? I'm not trying to guilt you, but this is just the truth. I think it's because you're not giving. I'm going to say it straight up one more time. I think it's because you're not giving. It's because you're trying to withhold something from God. You're trying to say, God, I want all of you. I want all your intimacy. I want all your prophecy. I want all your revelation. I want everything good from you. But I got to withhold this one thing from you, God. And that's why you haven't heard his voice in a long time. That's why you don't feel near to him. It's because you're holding back. And I believe the Holy Spirit today wants to highlight that and say, no. You want breakthrough? You want that intimacy again? You want to hear my voice again? Give me all of you. I believe today that there are some of you in this room you feel distant from God, it's because you've withheld your giving. You withheld what is the Lord's. And you don't know his heart anymore. You don't know who he is. I'm going to tell you right now, choose today to say, God, I'm going to invest all of me into this relationship. I'm going to give you access to all of me in this relationship, to all of my finances, to all that I have. Declare that to him today right now. You want intimacy with him? You want to hear his voice? You want the word to speak to you again? You want the revelation again? Don't hold back anymore then. Then give him all of you. Seek him with all your heart. All your heart. That means that's your finances too. Because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Don't withhold from him any longer. Don't withhold from him that part of your heart. God is calling you out right now. He's saying, I heard your prayer. I heard that you feel distant from me. But the reason why is because you refuse to give me your finances. Release it to me right now. Release it to me right now. Come on. Come on. You know what? We're a house, and I want our house to be ready for the next step. Can I just say one more thing? For those of you who have been tithing regularly, oh, God, the Lord is so, so delighted. You are that faithful servant who made five talents more. You're that faithful one. And you know his heart. But can I challenge you? There was tithes and offerings. Can we not make God into a chore? Like it's like paying our bills? Like it's like taxes? Can I release a special thing that I want to challenge you with if you have been tithing regularly? Can you ask God to teach you how to give him a gift? 
You give your, you give your friends gifts, right, when it's their birthday? <laughs> you give your friends gift when you go to the house and they cook you dinner, right? Can you say, God, can you unlock today in me a heart that understands what offering is? A heart that understands how to give good gifts to my father? <laughs> we know how to give good gifts to our friends. We know how to give good gifts to our coworkers, to our boss when it's their birthday. We know how to give good gifts to everybody but God. Can we unlock and say, God, teach me. Teach me how not just to tithe. Teach me how do I give good gifts to you, my father. Teach me what offering means to bring a present for you before your feet. All right, guys. Mm, I feel like God wants, I feel like God's not done. I feel like we need to worship right now. At every location, can you guys stand to your feet? I feel like God's not done. I feel like God's not done. Let's stand and worship right now. Let's stand and worship him right now. Let's give him all of who we are. Let's give him all of who we are. Don't hold back right now. And if you're having a conversation with God, continue to talk to him. But I want to challenge you to make that oath today. And as we're worshiping right now, just put your hand over your heart as a prophetic sign. No one's looking, no one can see, but just put your hand over your heart and say, God, today I declare to you that I will give you my first and my best and I will give it regularly because I want to know your heart. I want to know you deeper and because I'm ready, I'm ready for more. I'm ready for the real blessings, God. I'm ready for what is much in your kingdom, God.